Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, travel, entertainment, pop culture, and more. And we certainly have a lot of stuff going on with conventions, and we'll uh, be talking a little more about that later. You can also catch us at Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed, which is a network of 12 newspapers and 20 markets that we do video game reviews and content and other things for. You can catch me each week on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KISWFM Radio, which is an intercom uh, station. We have the simulcast on our page, and that's... Uh, Nice little segment we do where we cover the hottest topics in um, entertainment, but it's more of a quick hitter, you know, 10 to 20 minute segments. And then, of course, we have our quarterly magazine. We're working on the new issue now that'll be out uh, before the end of the month. So a lot of great stuff there. So as things are warming up and heating up with conventions and everything, we have the crew scattered all over the place. And so it's just Justin and I tonight. We have a lot of screeners going on. And so I uh, wanted to start off with a screener that I uh, recently had a look at. Their South by Southwest convention was going on. Um, we have people there on site. We have people coming, covering uh, digitally. A lot of good stuff so far. And one of the interesting things is uh, we also have Game Developers Conference starting soon. So we have some uh, meetings and stuff with that. But kind of uh, blending the gap between the two, Disney Plus was there. And uh, they showed off a new movie that I did not know about, and it's called More Than Robots. And it's apparently done in conjunction with Lucasfilm. And at least, you know, when I watched it, their logo popped up. And essentially, it talks about teams from Los Angeles, Mexico, Chiba, uh, and uh, Chiba, Japan, as they work toward the goal of taking their robotic designs into a highly competitive global championship. And it uh, essentially is a documentary that fa that goes uh, over the challenges they faced along the way with their resources, the community, putting everything together. And you really get to know the amount of effort and uh, care that is put into this. It's directed by Jillian uh, Jacobs, and this is her uh, feature-length uh, documentary um, directorial debut so a lot of interesting stuff here and i was really really uh surprised by this this was not something that i you know had a lot of hype about coming in but it is opening this friday and it will be exclusive to disney plus and it's called more than robots so uh justin as we are gearing up for our next wave of conventions we had a little bit of news dropped on us today about um Marvel doing something new in the Alien universe, uh, comic-wise. So what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Marvel today announced that uh, they're uh, releasing a new um, uh, annual um, that is centered on the character Gabriel Cruz's first uh, Xenomorph encounter. Um, it, just full disclosure, I actually have not really delved into the Marvel um alien line uh i know you know, as a residential alien fan i have i have not uh, uh stayed up to date completely but um you know it does it from what i've heard it's a pretty good comic line uh and i i guess the thing that um that i'm sort of pleased with and a common theme i come i bring up quite a lot is uh i'm, I'm happy that you know disney is paying attention to the to the franchise uh it does seem 
pretty active. I mean, obviously, we talked about the movie announcement uh, and the new uh, um, live action show quite a lot in the last few episodes. So um, it's just, uh, it's good news. It shows that uh, you know there's still some attention here, and especially if there's you know there's a um, a long running. Uh, comic line it means that that comic line is fairly successful in marvel's eyes absolutely and i picked up a few issues um when i, I mentioned when we were at the consumer electronics show since it was a little uh, considerably smaller than expected and we were able to get through our coverage quicker uh we went out and uh checked out a couple of specialty uh specialty grocery store and i found a, a comic uh torpedo comics found out they'd been featured on shows and stuff like that and it was really uh, interesting because um, I was able to pick up a few issues, not all of them, but I picked up uh, several issues of the new um, line as well as a couple um, you know, other things. And that was really, really nice to have. And what I've read of it, it was quite good. I did read the, um, I had a, have a digital version of one of their Alien sequel comics. And it's supposed to be a direct sequel to Aliens about a group going back to the um, aftermath of Hadley's Hope's col um, colony, similar to the way the video game went. The only gripe I had with it was they did it as a one-shot, and essentially it laid the groundwork for an interesting story, but didn't resolve a lot of stuff. So I'm hoping that's something they'll visit at another time. But it definitely is great to see, and it's also nice to see that these have not been toned down like a lot of people thought they would. But um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. And it's certainly nice to see so much alien news. I mean, not only did we get the news of this annual, but we also had some news uh, that um, Alien Heart of Darkness, the latest installment in the RPG game, is uh, coming from Free League Publishing. And so they are, don't have a firm release date yet, but they are taking pre-orders right now. And that's gotten really interesting. And, you know, Justin, one of the artwork pieces that they showed us that I have on here is a cat trailing, uh, well, not trailing, but basically holding on to uh, essentially the same thing that, uh, uh, how do we put this nicely, was forcibly removed uh, during the infamous scene in Prometheus from Shaw. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all ties back, because it does look like there's definitely a nod to Prometheus in there. So, you know, that's certainly going to get the attention of the hardcore fan base. So speaking of fan bases, we have PAX East uh, getting ready to come back. And for those uh, that aren't aware, PAX East is uh, one of the larger, it's not the biggest one, the one in Seattle is the biggest one, uh, at least my understanding. I know some people may try to say, well, the one here got more people and so on, but um, video game conference, this is one, I believe it was the last video game conference to take place before the shutdown. I believe uh, Reed Pop did this one in C2E2 right before everything shut down. Uh, like everyone, they've been doing virtual presence in the last couple of years, and they are returning April 21 through 24th at the Boston Convention and Exhibit Center. So, you know, naturally the question that uh, would come up is a lot of people have asked this um, sort of thing. Well, PAX West came back last year, and no, none of the big companies, none of the major companies, none of the real even small companies took part. It was all... Uh, more obscure independent companies, pretty much the same people who were at PAX East. And, you know, people had very 
differing questions. You know, there was a lot of, well, thank goodness we're back. And then the others were, wow, no Sony, no Microsoft, no Ubisoft, no Bethesda, on and on and on and on. No hardware companies of note. Uh, what can we expect from PAX East? Well, I can tell you this. We know for a fact from a release PAX sent out that uh, Baldur's Gate 3 with Larian Studios is going to be there. And Gearbox is going to be there celebrating the launch of Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, the latest uh, in the uh, Borderlands series. And there's also uh, talk that Devolver Digital is going to be there with some new product. And Focus Home Entertainment is going to be there. And, uh, you know, Justin, I know this is a big thing for you. Uh, Warhammer 40,000, Space Marine 2, and Evil West are being um, talked about. And, uh, you know, they're talking about stuff from Xseed, which is, you know, a more of a um, independent company. But there's talk about a Slipgate competition, Fall Guy competition, that sort of thing. So we're kind of waiting to see who else is there. But what do you make from all of this news, Justin? Uh, it's great news. So, you know, uh, fortunately, I think, you know, we're kind of we have been trending in the right direction uh, as far as the pandemic goes. So. Um, it does seem like a lot of organizations, a lot of companies, um, even countries are um, starting to become more comfortable with, um, you know, returning to kind of a level of normal normalcy, uh, even if that means, you know, uh, new standards, new safety protocols and things like that. Uh, so I think it's good that uh, they're feeling confident enough to hold this in person now. Uh, it bodes well for conventions later in the year, uh, as long as the trend kind of continues. Um, but, uh, you know, and that's actually, um, a pretty exciting list already, uh, especially considering that, um, you know, my guess would be a lot of companies are, uh, feeling a little, um, apprehensive about, um, you know, attending, uh, like a, some, some kind of live event. You know, I've been to PAX East a couple of times, um, and, you know, one year was very impressive, um, with uh with who who was there um you know battlefield 3 was shown off um uh the wolfenstein um reboot was shown off uh there was a lot of kind of like bigger budget games uh that were shown off there uh with with some pretty cool demos uh the second year wasn't quite as exciting um and in my understanding it it kind of fluctuates uh some years for pax east uh it just sort of lines up and becomes a good opportunity for a lot of companies and other years it's not quite quite so great but um this year you know like you mentioned um uh a lot of those companies uh it's a great fit uh for for the scale of their projects uh devolver digital for for instance um you know i think that's a great place to kind of show off their uh their products um you know uh gearbox has always been a very um very supportive company of pax uh, so showing off Tiny Tina there, that totally makes sense. That's something I would expect. Uh, Space Marine 2, that actually uh, really excites me a lot. I, I know you mentioned that that would excite me. You're absolutely right. I loved Space Marine, uh, Space Marine 1, and we actually haven't seen, you know, we had that uh, cinematic trailer from the Video Game Awards, but we haven't seen any real uh, in-person gameplay. Uh, so I think, you know, it could be a cool opportunity to kind of see the, the first uh, demo, uh, I think would be really neat. Um, especially considering, I think that game is fairly far off. I think that's a 2023 game, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, so it would be really cool to see a playable version of the game uh, this early on. Um, so I, I'm um, I'm looking forward to it. Unfortunately, I'm not. I have not gone in many many years, but uh, I'm looking forward to see what news comes out of it. And you know, it's a good op- a good place for uh, like like you mentioned it. Uh, competitions and, and tournaments and, and things like that. So I think it's great people are getting together again, um, you know, and, and really able to uh, to kind of show that, you know, an in-person uh, convention can really be held and be successful. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting when you look at it here, we, I think we've always said, like, E3, they're not afraid to show games that are a year or two years away. We know that they're supposedly online again this year. Well, but we don't know the, the details, so hopefully that'll happen soon. Um, PAX, though, traditionally has been more of a, you see the games a couple of months before they come out. You know, I kind of joke with people that um, when they do the show, w- when we get E3, that is our first look at the game. That is our first hands-on with the game, or at least the, you know, the most recent build of it. And then, you know, it goes back into development and we'll see it when we see it. The stuff you get at PAX traditionally has been stuff that is within a few months of coming out. So this is kind of like the chance for the consumers to really get a good look at it, play around with it. And that's why a lot of them right there will take your deposit. You know, I I remember um, one year they were doing this thing for one of the Far Cry games where if you agreed to get your head shaved, uh, they'd, they'd give you a copy of the game and that sort of stuff. And they had a barber right there just shaving people's heads and stuff like that, which was pretty funny. Um, but, um, you know, looking at the the release chart, I mean, I, I'm, you know, obviously I'm going to go by the swinging big. So let, let me, you know, throw it out there. Ghostwire Tokyo, PC, PS5 release March 25th. Um, you know, big enough to sell on its own curious if it will get you know if it'll be there uh kirby in the forgotten lands you know and the only reason i mention this is that tiny tina's wonderlands does come out at the same time they've already committed to being there so you know it's kind of interesting death standing director's cut you know who knows you don't really know what's going to come but the the one that really intrigues me are the april releases the long-awaited lego star wars the Skywalker Saga, which Michael and I saw at E3 back in 2019. <laughs> so it should give you an idea. Uh, you know, Back for Blood Tunnels of Terror. The game is popular. The DLC is coming out. Is that something they'd push? But then you, you kind of see some things like, um, you know, MLB The Show. Well, you probably aren't going to see that unless Sony takes part in it. But it, it gets so interesting, and then you get May, like, Evil Dead the Game. That could be, you know, that could be definitely one that you might see there. And Vampire the Masquerade, and you know. So it will be interesting to see which companies uh, show up, which companies um, wait and try to do something online, and then which ones do anything for, um, you know, like PAX West. I mean, obviously... We talked about this on the radio show earlier. We got a new guide for um, Starfield. Right now, it's tentatively set for November 11th, according to various things. So hopefully, it makes it. And it, you know, again, these are all games that are going to be highly in demand. Now, another thing I wanted to mention with you, Justin, transitioning, 
we got news this week. A uh, little bit of footage on the coming Evil Dead. Uh, excuse me, uh, Evil Dead. I don't know where my mind is set. Dead Space re remake, which is coming in uh, early 2023. But we also were told that there will be no state of play from EA. Um, now, some are saying, well, they're just saying that's no in-person and since E3 is not doing a live show, it makes sense. I know that they've kind of, you know, for those who don't know, a few years ago, EA pulled away from E3. They did their own thing, but I remember it was done in conjunction. So, like, to give you an example, the first year they did it, we, the first day of E3 before the general public was allowed in, the media gets in at noon. And general public came years later. So that morning, we were able to go over to uh, the nearby... Uh, Nokia Theater, it was around there. EA had um, uh, what was it? Uh, Battlefield 1. They had Titanfall 2. We got little briefings on that, got to pose with the props, got to play it. They had their sports games, and then they had like a box lunch and some swag. Really nice, got to take it to the lounge when we were down and just till until E3 opened. As time went on, they started to kind of stagger it and do their showcase and their other events the weekend before E3. But the, you know, the whole mentality that I always took from it was we're doing our own thing, but we're mindful that all these people are coming to E3. So come a day or two early and take part in what we're doing. And so with that in mind, Justin, knowing that they did an electronic one last year and the year before that, does this surprise you? No. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough because I think the, the planning for these events has to happen way, way, way in advance. Uh, and depending on the size of the event, you know, it probably shifts that months, uh, the, the planning phase by months. So, um, you know, it, it's really quite unfortunate for um, the the folks who organize E3 that, um, you know, there was a pretty bad wave right when you know they had to make the commitment for whether they're going to be in person or not and that's really um you know it's not just that there's there's other factors that you know i think have been pretty unfortunate for for e3 um mostly in that a lot of these big companies have kind of gone in their own direction on the biggest ones have kind of gone in their own direction on doing their own like a sony state of play or a nintendo direct or um, even Bethesda now kind of does their own presentations, um, and they have their own convention as well. Uh, and then now even like e EA, uh, kind of has their own thing going on as well. So, um, that, that, all of those things together, I think make it very difficult for, for E3. Um, so it doesn't really surprise me where we ended up here. Um, a lot of these companies can kind of control their marketing, um, through these these kind of online events um you know but eventually i think what's going to end up happening is um somebody is going to uh just have a absolutely killer performance at at a in-person event and uh i do think that a lot of companies will will realize um that there's opportunity there uh, because of, because of a vacuum um you know somebody will uh, go to Gamescom or or a PAX or something like that, and then totally dominate the news cycle. I think with with some kind of in person uh, per performance or um, um, presentation, and uh, I think that will probably repopularize um, 
you know, the big reveal that we're kind of accustomed to uh, in an in-person event. Um, so I, I do think like a lot of this really just comes comes down to bad timing uh, that when they were kind of planning the event uh, was right when, you know, it was very unclear whether uh, where we were going to be at. Uh, now it's, you know, if they were planning now, I think they would probably be more more comfortable about making it in person and maybe making those being more aggressive about making those uh, in-person commitments with a lot of the bigger companies. But uh, unfortunately they, they didn't, uh, they didn't get there quite in time. Absolutely. And I also wanted to say, I wanted to make sure that I, I don't know if I fudged it and accidentally said state of play versus EA play, but uh, did want to make sure that uh, this is the EA specific one. You know, uh, Sony hasn't done their, live PlayStation event for a while. So we don't know, you know, what the plan is for that, but it is uh, an odd thing because, you know, it, it basically um, says that um, they don't even have an online thing, not to say they won't, but they're just simply saying that we'll reveal more when the time is right. And so it, it is a very interesting, um, thing so you know we we can just finger our um, people keep our finger on the pulse and hopefully there'll be something new but it, it's very odd i mean like they said i was looking at a calendar here and it says obviously we know that e3 2022 has canceled its in-person event um we know that the summer games fest is returning um and we'll go from there and of course you know that that's a topic where when michael and joseph are with us and we can have a longer debate because you do have to wonder if there's some fatigue setting in where people are like, you know, I've spent two summers sitting in front of my computer. I want to get out. I mean, Star Wars Celebration put some new tickets on sale. They sold through four-day tickets like that. And, uh, you know, D23, Disney's D23 Expo is sold out uh, most of their, it's like Saturday. They only have a couple of select days left. Um, I, I don't know what WonderCon situation is, but I'm expecting it to be, uh, a well-received uh, thing. It just, you know, people. Some people are griping about the health and safety rules, but they, uh, you know, they're still going to go. And it will be really, really interesting because you know that that I think is a key thing is that uh, they were very safe during San Diego Comic Con, and uh, as places have dropped the mandates, they've come out and said you are still going to be required to wear your mask. You are still going to be required to show proof of vaccine or a negative test. That's it. And, you know, uh, it, if you look at their FAQs, it's funny. Like people go, oh, I have a medical condition and I can't wear a mask. And they're like, well, you need to sit out the show this year and we'll see you when the mandates are relaxed. Or, or you know, oh, I'm a cosplayer and the mask is inconvenient. They're like, well, you know, it's a requirement and uh, you know it even says on there if people are, are going around without the mask they will and it becomes an issue they'll be removed so it, it's interesting to see I you know I think this will be an interesting uh, test case this summer and I you know I, I I can tell you this I have committed to a few things not just doing panels I feel safer about uh, what they're doing but I can tell you there are some shows in California that are you know lock squared and then there are others that are like saying yeah we're not going to do anything we're just going to leave it up to the people and it's it's all up to the local community if they think we have it and i'm you know i sit there and i shake my head going you want to put thousands of people together without any kind of health safety check but then you also say well let's see where we are you know come summer because if it's 
if it's a problem, then we know the show either won't happen or they're going to have to adjust it. So really quick, let's end on uh, some positive news. We had a lot of stuff going on at various parks. Now, um, Universal Studios announced that the U.S. version of Super Nintendo World is going to open in 2023 at Universal Studios Hollywood. I think we made a mention about that last week. And we also, I, I've known about this for a bit, but I wanted to just, uh, you know, give you guys a little more clarification because it's not all about gigantic thrill rides. But uh, we have news from SeaWorld that their brand new park, um, they, they have a water park in San Diego as well, but their brand new park, Sesame Place San Diego, is going to be opening on Saturday, March 26th. So we're going to have some people out on March 25th for a press day. I would go myself uh, and drag our granddaughter uh, along with us. Not that, Well, more likely she'd be dragging us. Uh, the only reason we're not is two days from that, we are heading to San Diego um, uh, via Buena Park to cover the Knott's Berry Farm Boysenberry Festival and then going on a cruise and then going to WonderCon. So even though we're one state over, it's still about four and a half to five hours. So not driving over, driving back, and then doing it again a couple days later. I've done that in the past for some conventions and even then that was a four four to seven day gap between it so it worked out a bit better so uh details are available online anyway i want to thank you all for listening we covered a lot of topics this week and we look forward to talking to you next week when we have michael and the crew back until then everybody be safe thank you so much for listening <laughs>